What I want to tell you today is that generosity is good for the soul. Generosity is good for the soul, and I gotta tell you, as I prepared this message and and considered God's generosity toward me over the years and sang that last song we just sang, I'm, I'm a little overwhelmed with his generosity. But generosity is good for the soul even when it's accidental. A few months ago, back in the fall, uh, June and I wanted to get a little dinner, and you remember that season. Most uh, restaurant dining rooms were closed, and we decided to go someplace near the house. We went to uh, uh, Golden Rule Barbecue over here on 31 and uh, got us a couple of barbecue sandwiches and sat out on that little porch, and it was starting to get dark, and the waitress was nice, and our, our bill came to $14. So I, I reached in my wallet and handed her a bill to pay for it, and I said, that's good. You can keep it. She replies back, really? And her voice sort of broke. And uh, then she, 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 she walked away, you know, and I got to thinking. I said, what? Wow, what just happened? And then she brought out two to-go cups for June and I. We didn't ask for them. She just brought them back with straws and napkins and put them on the table. She said, thank you so much, sir. So, so I got to thinking, and then I opened my wallet again in the dark, and I dug through my wallet. I was like, oh, no. That $50 bill isn't in there anymore. <laughs> I was curious. I mean, I knew it was like a, a $14, 20 That was like a 40% tip, but I was like, $6? That, really? Well, uh-oh, it was a $36 tip on a $14 mail. But it was good all the way around because uh, the waitress was happy and, and my wife was happy because I didn't ask for the $50 back from the waitress. And she said she was proud of me that day. See, generosity is good for the soul. In Hebrew, generosity literally means to saturate with water. It's a symbol of life. In Greek, it, it means that we're ready to distribute our available time and and, and talent and treasure. And in English, what we often hear when we hear the word generosity is this, give me your money, right? Some of you already heard that, didn't you? You said, hey, that's what we're talking about today. Well, well, I guess that's partly true, but this uh, place of generosity in our life as a way of following Jesus goes so much deeper than that. And today we're looking at marks of a follower, and, and we're looking at, at, at the, the mark of generosity. And generosity simply means to give well, to give well. well. My name is Ben Kathy, and I have the honor and privilege of being the executive pastor here at Mountaintop Church, and I have the honor and privilege of sharing our message today. Thank you for joining us today, whether you're here in person we're online, and to all of our dads today, happy Father's Day. What do you think of when you hear the word generosity? What, what, is it, what does it mean to you? What, what words come to mind? You know, every word has a context that gives it meaning. I found that out in 70. For example, my daughter texted me the other day with a bunch of those smiley faces with the squishy eyes and the words, I'm dead. I wasn't worried about her. I knew that meant she was laughing really, really hard, right? I saw a t-shirt the other day that says, God is dope. That's a good thing, by the way. God is dope. You got it? 
Well, what does generosity mean to you? What, what songs, what experiences, what, what words come to mind? Maybe all you can hear is that old OJ song, money, 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 right? That, that song. Or maybe you can think of somebody being generous to you or, or a time where you've been generous towards someone else. Or, or maybe you're on the opposite end of that spectrum. You, you hear something more like Chris Stapleton's song, Millionaire. They say that love is more precious than gold. I'm not even going to try, but it can't be bought or sold. I got enough to spare, and that makes me a millionaire. Last week, uh, Pastor Carter talked about types of Christians. And I think those types of Christians align with uh, types of personalities that are generous or that give or that give well. And so the first one would be uh, a believer. And, and, and this is the, when you relate this to generosity, this is the person who believes that generosity is a good thing, but they believe that somebody else should do it. Anybody in that category raise your, no, I'm kidding, don't. The, the next one would be a consumer. That's someone who, who is generous, but they look at that like paying for something that they've received. I, I remember one person in uh, the church I was pastoring told me that he, he gave $20 every Sunday. And I thought, well, that's, I said, that's awesome, thank you. I said, well, what's the reason for that? He goes, well, that's about what I'd pay to go to the movies, so I figure that's good for church. And and, and I said back to him, well, you should go to more expensive movies. No, I didn't, did not say that. Don't worry. I just said, thank you uh, for being generous. And then there's the weekender, the person who would give out of emotion or only when they're there or because they were asked just the right way. And, and, and then there would be the member. That would be the person who, who gives well because they just have a, feel a sense of duty to, to be a member and to do their part with the rest of the membership of the church or the club or whatever. And, and then there's the producer. That would be the person who gives because they want to make something happen or maybe because they want their name remembered. But then there's what we all want to be, and that's a follower. And that's a person who's generous, who gives well because they love God and they love people and because they feel called to do their part in that mission. You see, a follower gives a response to love God, recognizing what the generosity that God's extended toward them. A follower gives because they love people and want the very best for them. We're going to lean into a passage from 1 Timothy today. 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, verses 17 and, and 19. If you have your Bible or can pull those verses up, we, we'll look at some verses before that in chapter 6 as well today. But these instructions are instructions on follower generosity. And they're rooted in God's generosity toward us, the, the life we live, the salvation we experience, and, and the provision God's given us. And just a little bit about the context of this passage. Uh, the books of 1st and 2nd Timothy were, were Paul's last letter. 2nd Timothy was his very last letter, and he wrote it to Timothy. Uh, we're told that in Scripture that Paul had brought Timothy to salvation, and that, that Paul was, um, in a sense, uh, a mentor to Timothy, that he was Timothy's uh, spiritual father. 
And Timothy was his spiritual son. And, and because this, we're nearing the end here, it's as though Paul is passing the baton and saying, Timothy, here's how you lead the people of God. Well, this uh, passage, just uh, three little verses, is filled with the word rich. It's used as uh, an adjective, a noun, an adverb, and a verb throughout this passage. And so we find there rich, riches, richly, and to be rich. But in these verses, we find three things I want to look at today. We find some cautions about generosity and wealth. We find some commands, and finally, we find some choices. So let's begin, verse 17. Cautions. Here it is. Teach those who are rich in this world to be proud and to trust in their money, which is so reliable. Their trust should be in money, which richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Now, I, I heard some murmuring. Anybody see anything wrong with that, that verse? Was it, was it quite right for you? Actually, when we put it in that context, it's so easy to see the, the, the warnings there. It's so easy to see the cautions in that verse because let's look at the actual verse. It says this. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Isn't that good? Isn't that a good word? Well, this one verse is so, it is chock full of cautions. In fact, just a couple of verses before this, back in uh, verse 10, it says, some people, craving money, have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So it seems that in this verse, Paul zeroes in on that and tells us how we, we wander away and how we could pierce ourselves. And the first thing he says is, he, he's, he says that we're rich. He says, he says, teach those who are rich in this world. You see, he could have just said, teach those who are rich. But he says, teach those who are rich in this world. And so he's, he's saying there's a difference between this world and the next. That being, being rich in this world doesn't mean we're rich in the next world, but that there is a connection between the two worlds. You see, wealth is not just temporal, it's eternal. Decisions made, made surrounding wealth affect lives in this world that are connected to the next. And we'll get to that as we keep going. You see, YOLO is not a biblical phrase. You only live once. Forgive me this, it's a little bit cheesy. But FLF is a biblical phrase. Followers live forever. And what we do in this world is connected to the next. Well, he says this, he says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud. You know, pride. Wealth can make us prideful instead of grateful, right? It's a trick, isn't it? 
You see, um, it goes like this. We gain some things in our life, and we say to ourselves, I have this. And then we say, I like this. I have this, I like this, and you know what should come next? Thank you. What should come next should be, I'm grateful. What should come next is, I'm so fortunate. But we, pride helps us skip right over that grateful step, and we go, I, I have this, I like this, and then we go, I did this. And pride begins to sneak in, and, and, and we begin to think, I don't need God. I don't need to trust in God. I did this. And then we can take it one step further. I have this, I like this, I did this becomes I deserve this. And that's where we begin to think not only do we not need God, but we begin to look down on others because of our success and wealth in life, because of our place, I deserve this. I'll never forget being in the airport. The plane was crowded. This uh, young lady, she couldn't have been 20, maybe 21, was by herself. She walked up to the counter. She was asking for a certain seat. She had barged right in. She was talking to the people at that counter before you go in the door that gets on the plane. And I, I overheard these words. But I always fly first class. And she stomped off. And I remember watching her sit three rows behind me in the cattle section, sulking the whole flight. And there was this little part of me that wanted to get up and go, honey, I never fly first class. Get over it. But I didn't. I did not. But I'll always remember that because there's a place in her heart where however she had been raised, whatever she had done in her life, she felt like she deserved that seat. And it made her angry that she didn't get it. When I think of pride, I'm, I'm always reminded of the, the line from the Avett Brothers song. <laughs> it says, I want to have pride like my mother had and not like the kind in the Bible that turns you bad. Isn't that a good line? That's a good line. Well, it tells us, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to do what? Not to trust in their money. You see, when we trust wealth, greed easily takes the place of gratitude. And that leads to all kinds of trouble. But when we trust God, gratitude takes the place of greed. And gratitude leads us to generosity. And generosity is good for the soul. It's good for our soul and it's good for the souls around us. Well, Paul tells Timothy to tell the church to tell us. You put all these things together. If you see that money is only for this life and has no connection to the next, if you put a bunch of pride in it, if you lean into I deserve, if you trust it replacing a gratitude with greed, it's unreliable. It's unreliable. But it's so easy to think that, that our wealth is reliable, right? 
But it is the thing, that it is the sustenance of life because it's related to everything we do. It, it never stops. It's always in motion. We're all spending money right now because you didn't turn off the power when you left your house, did you? It, it just happens. So, 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 so what we have, the, the wealth we have in this world, it creates solutions. It makes things happen. It provides uh, power to us. It, it produces comfort. It, it gives opportunity. It can, it can buy freedom. It signifies status to us. And in the old days, it was a sign of blessing and of virtue. But Paul clearly says that wealth is not even comparable to trusting God, to following God. Jesus. And maybe, um, maybe we experience these things that I've listed, the, the solutions and the power and the comfort and the opportunity and the freedom because of wealth. But when we move from I, I have and I like to I did this and I deserve, what happens is that the, the script actually flips on us. We move from trusting in God to trusting in selves and the very thing that brings us opportunity and freedom starts to control us and it becomes an idol and it drives us away from God's best instead of towards God's best. It drives us away from the true life that God wants to give everyone in this world and toward only the life that we can form for ourselves. Verse 9, just a few verses before this one. It says, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. See, the last part of this verse tells us what these things do, this pride, this lack of trust. It says this, their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. You see, when I trust in myself, I don't get this. You see how that, flip, that script flips? When I trust in myself, I don't get this. I don't get God who gives me all we need. Partly because I don't perceive what God has given. I can't see what God has given me. I don't, I, I, we trust in ourselves. That's what happened. We lose contentment. God richly gives us all we need, right? But wealth can produce so many ailments in us. You see it, I see it. One of them's called stuffitis. That's where we just, we need more and more material things and we get a high off of more and more material things, right? And, and they're for us, they're not for anybody else. And another one's called affluenza. You know, that's where we look down the road and uh, we see what the Joneses own and we want to own it too, right? I saw affluenza in the retired folks' home one time, you know? I really, I saw this. You wouldn't think this would happen, but I saw it. I saw about 20 women walk by, and they, every single one of them had a walker. And I got to tell you, there was some competition going on with those walkers. It was like some Camaros and Corvettes parked out in the parking, right? There was some affluenza going on. 
Another one would be uh, a restless heart syndrome. And this one is where if I only had blank, I would be happy. Is there anything like that in your life right now? If I only had a boat, I would be happy. If I only had a new car, I would be happy. If I only had a motorcycle, I would be happy. If I, right? And, and, the, and the other one would be contentment deficit disorder. Anybody have that? You know anybody? That's when I'll just never have enough. I'll never have enough to be thankful, to be grateful, to be generous. I, it just will never happen. But Paul says earlier in verse 6, godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. They say love is more precious than gold. Right? One wise man told me this. He said, the reason I tithe, 10% of my income, the reason I tithe is because that's enough to break the cycles of materialism in my life, to root out stuffitis and affluenza and contentment deficit disorder. It's enough. It's enough to let me see that the other 90% is plenty. It's enough to put me in a position to love God and to love neighbor and to be helpful. I'd never seen it like that until he told me that. God gives us all we need for our enjoyment Generosity is good for the soul. We help others, and we recognize God's provision in our life. Now, as we move forward in this passage, there aren't just, um, you know, warnings. There's also some commands. And in uh, verse 18, it says this, Tell them, Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Tell them, Timothy. It doesn't quite rise to the level of command, i I, got to be honest, but but it's, it's urgent. Don't just sort of say it. Tell them, Timothy. Tell them. And what does, he, what does he need to tell them? Do good. Do good. Be rich in good works. Do good things. Be, be generous to those in need. He, he lists that bottom line. Use wealth. Use what we have to love God, to love neighbor, to be helpful. I said I was, I was overwhelmed with God's generosity in my life, and especially with that last song and I have uh, something I was going to tell you here, but I got to tell you, I got to thinking about it. And it's just amazing. I've, uh, I've shared with you before that um, I'm a graduate of Auburn University, and I love Auburn, and go Tigers and War Eagle and all that, right? Most of you maybe already knew that about me. But you might not have known that I probably shouldn't have gone to Auburn to begin with. That was tough getting through school. I'm so thankful to my dad. I mean, I'm, I'm the kid that probably should have stayed home. But he said, man, go for it. We'll figure it out. But um, 
sort of toward the end of my freshman year, the, the money was running out. It was running out for me. It was running out back home. And in fact, uh, going into my sophomore year, our home foreclosed, and my parents moved into a rental house. My dad had lost his job, and it was tough. I, I went back to school that fall and uh, went to class and couldn't, couldn't pay for school. And uh, each of my teachers came to me, you know, about three weeks into class. They're like, got this note here that says you hadn't paid your bill. You're not supposed to be in class. And I told the teacher, I was like, uh, well, you want to teach? I'm willing to learn. Let me figure that out. And so they all said yes. I mean, they're teachers. What are they going to do? So I, I kept going to class, and I didn't know, you know, I didn't know. And, and I took all, the, I took the finals, and in it, I still didn't have enough money. I just had enough money to live on. I was, I was uh, working, you know, part-time at Walmart as a door greeter and uh, just trying to make ends meet. And um, at that end of that semester came, and I'm like, oh, no. I owe Auburn like a couple of thousand dollars or I'm not going to get credit for those grades. And um, I ended up staying at home the next semester and, and working, but I was just overwhelmed with the generosity of the people around me. Um, just, I mean, people heard, and they were just so incredibly dis- supportive. Um, my pastor heard, and a man in the church had given him money and said, give this to people who are in need. So he had this little fund, and he knocks on my door Christmas Eve day and offers me a check that covers tuition and a little bit more. And, and, and I drive back down to Auburn first day of classes and go talk to the registrar, and he's got this really messed up look on his face. And he's like, what, what is going on here? And I'm like, I want to pay for school and get credit for my classes. And he looks at my grades and he goes, the only reason I'm letting you do this is because you have pretty good grades. If you can go get your professors to sign off on your grades today and bring it back to me, I'll give you credit for last semester. And so I spent all day tracking them down. There was one professor I couldn't track down. Thankfully, it was a lab. I got an F in that lab, the only F I've ever made, right? But I actually got an A. I know it. God knows it. I made my way through school. I remember my, my roommate's dad at the time said, hey, I'll cover your half of rent for that quarter. So for those four months, my roommate's dad covered my rent. My elementary school principal sent me $100. Right? I'm in college. $100 doesn't buy that much, but it sure does say, boy, I believe in you. You can make it, right? I'm just overwhelmed with that in my life. And returning, uh, returning to school that spring, I got to tell, tell you something. Y'all, this is too good. I hit the state line coming down I-85. I lived in Georgia. I hit Lynette. You know what that is? There's one of those big green signs. It says, Sweet Home Alabama. You seen that one? This is back in the days before Spotify. I didn't own any Leonard Skinner music. And when I see that sign on the radio I was listening to, You know what happened, don't you? Turn it up. 
turn it up. Sweet Home Alabama came on. And I did business with God all the way in Opelika. And uh, thanking him for his generosity and for the generosity of so many people around me. Do you know what? I don't think those people are generous with me without the last part of this verse. Not choices, the last part of that verse. (laughs) Always being ready to share with others. I think those people had predetermined in their life that they were going to be generous. You ask a person who runs a half marathon in under two hours how they did it, at some point they had to pre-decide to train and set that goal, right? You ask a young couple, especially in today's world, how they uh, saved themselves for each other in marriage to to give that sacred bond that that has no other people involved in it. And and they said they had to pre-decide. They didn't decide. Two people, young people who are attracted to each other didn't decide in the heat of the moment, right? They pre-decided that they would be faithful to each other until that honeymoon. I think in generosity... God's inviting us here to pre-decide, to be ready to share with others. But we find some choices in this verse as well. You see, generosity is good for the soul. It's a decision that we make ahead of time. And in the last verse, verse 19, we find these words. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure That's a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. The future. Storing up treasure for the future. There's that connection between this life and the next. We're storing up treasure. One day, those people who were so generous to me during that season of my life in college will know the full impact they had. They were storing up treasure in heaven. I got a note just this last week. About 10 years ago, I'd given a a man in my church a a cassette tape. (laughs) Yeah, it was that long ago. A cassette tape of a band I love of Christian music that I thought would inform his faith. And it was just a couple of months after that that he had lived a pretty rough life. And it was a couple of months after that that he died on a motorcycle accident. He actually, they believe he hit a deer at night on his way home. And uh, his girlfriend contacted me and said, hey, I remember when uh, you gave Danny that, that cassette tape. And I was like, well, I'm glad he didn't toss it. And she responds, no, he didn't toss it. So, so thank you for being there for him until the very end. Or should I say, thanks for leading him to an amazing eternity. Man, treasure in heaven. I'm not saying that the cassette caused him to come to Christ, but she knew that as a church and as a pastor, we had invested in Danny's life. And folks, there's going to be treasure in heaven because of what the church family did together on behalf of Danny. 
in Diane. See, back in verse 7, Paul tells us, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave. Except, except what we've given away. Except what we've invested in for eternity. Except for the treasure that we're storing up in heaven. We can't take anything with us except for that. And when we're, and when we're generous in this life, Paul tells us that we'll experience true life. Not just waking up, going to work, having the dreams of the world life, but true life. We can experience God's best. Jesus says it's better to give than receive. One of the ancient church fathers wrote this. It is not the one who keeps, but the one who gives away who is rich. It is giving away, not possession, which renders a man happy. See, generosity is good for the soul. Generosity turns life into true life. Generosity turns the trap of materialism into gratefulness and contentment. Generosity changes the world. Generosity turns our trust from ourselves toward God. Generosity invests in eternity and in the eternal future of the people around us. Generosity speaks to the goodness of God in our lives. You remember that... uh, $50 I told you about earlier came out of my wallet. I accidentally gave it to that lady, waitress. That $50 is just gone, y'all. It's just gone. It's never coming back. I just wasted it. Or is it? Or is it? I remember that for the rest of my life. And my guess is she will too. And maybe one day I'll find out that maybe it encouraged her that day or that week. And I got to tell you what, I had some other bills in that wallet, some 20s and some 5s and some 10s, and I have no idea what I spent those on right now. None. But I know where that $50 went because with it was a heart of generosity. A little more generous than I'd planned on being. But there was a heart of generosity. Hey, I want to throw up a slide on the screen or ask our folks to. We see this every week. We tell you that um, when we give, it's an act of worship. Uh, We often tell you that we like to make it easy to give, and we do. I mean, if you look, there's great ways to give. We work hard to make that experience smooth and easy for you to take part in. But ultimately, it's a decision we make with our life. It's a decision we make to be generous at church, loving God. It's a decision we make to be generous with our neighbor. It's a decision we make to allow our resources and the blessings we've gained to give us a heart of gratitude that allows us to share that with the rest of the world with the hope that God will use it, that he'll use it make a difference in our life and an eternal difference in somebody else's life so as we close today I just want to invite you to extend your heart to God to thank God for his goodness for his generosity in your life and hopefully that will inspire each of us to take what he's already given us 
and be generous in the world around us. Let's stand. Let's sing together.